Jim Bondrick is a guide and outfitter out of Cedar City, Utah. Now, Jim Bondrick, he has always had just a menagerie of dogs, different breeds, whatever, whatever worked. Jim was raised on a ranch outside of Globe, Arizona, and so part of that best-to-best -best business, he's very familiar with. So if you want to go on a good lion hunt, give uh, Jim Bundrick a call. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. He used to hunt off of snowmobiles and ATVs, not anymore. He hunts strictly off of mules, goes in the field and cuts the track. So welcome Jim Bundrick, Cedar City, Utah. Okay, we're here with Jim Bundrick, Cedar City, Utah. Today is uh, July 21st, 2002. Jim, you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how long you've been in hound hunting and, and who got you started and uh, that sort of thing. Well, I was born and raised down in Globe, Arizona and uh, my uh, grandparents had a ranch down there on the Mescal Mountain and it was loaded with lion and bear killing cows and calves and in a way that's kind of where it got started they tried to get a hold of the lee brothers to come in there and catch a lion killing cattle and by the time they got there got a hold of them it was too late and, and uh the grandparents decided they was gonna get a couple of hounds on their own they hauled back east somewhere in louisiana or somewhere and brought out a couple of real high-powered looking blue ticks and probably without a clue on how to catch a lion and anyway as time went on the pups got up I guess they were about a year old and right out behind the house was a lion kill they told me to get my house horse saddled and they ran out and grabbed the dogs and run the dogs over to where the lion kill was and down the road we went Dogs were screaming and yelling, and over the mountain we went. And all this time, I was hoping to see a lion any minute, and we heard a dog coming around the mountain. And I thought this was it, and when I finally got out in view, it was behind a big old four-point buck. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the beginning of uh, our lion hunting, which wasn't too good. Now, in your style of hunting, do you uh, do you uh, strike mainly off the truck with road hunting or do you take mules and, and go out and do it that way? Well, when we, when we started out, we were striking off the truck and uh, we were even heavy into snowmobiles at one time. But with all this, I mean, this lion hunting has become a, it's actually becoming a sport now. Mm -hmm. Lion hunters are just cropping up by the hundreds. So uh, for the last uh, eight or 10 years, we're pretty much, uh, running strike dogs on horseback with the mule yeah we run mules yeah do you uh do you prefer a particular number like five or six dogs whenever you go out or do you take them all or what well when we're when we're out training dogs and just having fun we probably uh, i've even run as high as eight and that's too many dogs but uh when we've got a client or a serious lion to catch probably running maximum four hounds probably three um and do you turn them all loose at the same time or yeah well when we're riding yeah they're just uh they're out there they're out there striking 
we've got two or three strike dogs and uh, they're uh, my dogs hunt a little wider than uh, what a lot of the uh, guys like but uh, I've got I've got three strike dogs and they'll range out they'll range out as far as 200 yards on each side of me and they can get away from you doing that but your I feel like your chances of cutting a track are just a little better you uh you use uh, uh the shocking collars or the locating collars on your dogs yeah right what age do you like to start your pups at i like to start my pups at about uh, nine months old yeah. i mean we'll mess around when i'm here in the yard at five or six months old might take them up the creek coon hunting or something like that younger but i we're not going to take them out there uh behind the horse or running with the other dogs any earlier than nine months could even go a year on them now up to just recently like about two years ago you kind of had a, a duke's mixture of dogs right you had the walkers black tans red ticks you know, blue ticks too we've had we do and we and we still do have a uh uh quite a few great dogs around right now but uh uh, the direction we're going, as fast as we can get there, is uh, we want to go with the Cameron bred blue tick. That's the dog that uh, we like the best. We actually think it's the best. And as soon as we can get set up and get our rig dogs and strike dogs going, hopefully we'll just have a whole whole pack of uh, blue ticks. So you like the cold nosed dogs also? Yeah. I, I like the yeah, that's what we want, the cold nose dogs. I think though, yeah, in my opinion again, you have to be there's some drawbacks to that cold nose business, especially the way we're what the way we're hunting with strike dogs, because these dogs are gonna strike a under certain conditions, they can strike a track that's four or five days old and that line may have died of old age for all we know. <laughs> yeah. And uh so that's another learning experience for you know someone getting started in this is you got to be able to detect that right away and be able to get that dog off of it or you're going to be doing a lot of trailing and no catching uh speaking of feeding uh, i noticed i noticed your mules out there your dogs there they, they look really good you take really good care of your dogs. yeah we we think we do yeah you do uh, we're we're pretty systematic on what we do. We we worm our dogs every thirty days, and uh, we worm the we worm the mules twice a year, and and could even do more than that. And uh, I think it helps to be able to pasture the mules, and and uh, we try not to feed a straight alfalfa. Hey, we try to get a little grass mix, which is easy. You can get grassy hay pretty easy. And uh, we've done pretty well health-wise with our animals. We haven't had much trouble. Out of the out of the people that I've interviewed, and all of them are successful linemen. I guess that the, the the common denominator so far is that they all take excellent care of all their stock and all their dogs. Yeah. But they say they've got to have those dogs in top shape and ready to go. They have to be. And I think uh, 
don't want to get cleared out in my field here, but I think another thing that's highly important on your animals, uh, I actually think this is more important every day that goes by, is to keep everything well exercised, even uh, when we're we're on downtime and uh, we're not hunting. I still try to get these dogs out every week, all of them, and uh, get them out and over the mountain and uh, keep them in good physical condition. I think back when I started in the early, in, when I first got going in this, I think I might have killed a dog or two by uh, jumping them out there on a line and they weren't in shape. Well, everybody else does the same thing. They, yeah. they say you got to condition them year round. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think you'll get more years out of them. Sure. Do you uh, do you feed a commercial feed to the dog, and do you switch it uh, like in the summer? Do you, do you take protein away from them, or put protein to them whenever they come out? Yeah, we uh, we feed them more uh, heavier pro protein feed in the winter. You ever been scared of something or something really scary out I have chasing lions. I I really have. I don't know. Uh I was with a partner of mine at the time and uh we'd been running lion all day. And uh we were in some pretty we were in deep snow and we'd got this uh lion over on the the O'Neill. It was a, and it was the biggest lion we ever caught also. And uh, thank God, it, the O'Neill is kind of a branch off of Zion National Park, and it's one of those canyons with the big walls. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing had worked its way down on those ledges, jumping off those shelves on that wall, and the dogs were going after him, and and we were going after him too, trying to get around there where we could kill him. And and uh, it was getting dark, and Somehow the dog, the lion got, and we got out of there and we were on the face of that canyon wall. And we had already been jumping and sliding off of eight or 10 foot jumps. And there was no way we were going to be able to go back out the way we came. And I actually thought it was cold. And we actually thought that this might be it. And I mean, I, don't, I can't say that we were scared at the time. We weren't panicked or anything, but it definitely crossed our minds and it had our attentions. And uh, we uh, kept working along the wall there and got over to kind of a little side canyon crack that came down out of there in the snow. It was like a big snow slide and the snow had kept getting there and not sticking and sliding down. And I'm sure, sure you've seen it. It was like a big chute yeah. going down out of there, and it was just snow, and it looked like it was plain snow for, and I can't even tell you how far down there it was. I think three or four or five hundred feet. Wow. Just, you know, on a 45 degree angle as that snow piled up, and that was our only way out of there. And uh, my partner was younger than I was, and we had radios, and he said, we'll either die here or we'll go off right here. And uh, he went over there and slid off that thing. All I could see was snow and powder flying and didn't know what happened to him. And finally, I heard him on the radio and I said, you okay? He said, yeah, I made it. It's the only way off the mountain. And uh, 
He said, you're going to have to come off the same way. So I said, okay. And just as I got ready to go, he says, now, he said, Jim, be sure to lean way back. He said, lean way, way back when you go down through there. He says, or you're going to start tumbling. And I got over there and slid down off there, slid down there at the bottom. We were just laughing, but I'll tell you. It, it was a foolish thing. We, it was a stupid thing that we did getting in that predicament because we could still be there. In the wild, without the aid of dogs, how many lions have you seen? I've never seen uh, well, I've seen one. I finally saw one last year in all my years. I finally saw one last year without the hound. And I know lots of other people see them, but that's the first one I've seen. That's my favorite question to ask because it, it, it's not very many. Anything you want to talk about or anything you want to say? Or... Oh, I, th I think... Uh... Probably the only thing that bothers me, and I guess it won't matter, but I kind of hate to see the the old uh, the old way of lion hunting and the cold nose, the old original cold nose dog. I just kind of hate to see it disappearing like it's doing. I think one of these days it'll just be a thing of the past, and just in some books. Some of the guys like Warner Glenn, uh, Jim Stahl, uh, Daryl Fry, they they talk about the different types of dogs in the past, uh, especially Warner. Uh, he where he hunts, he's in the cliffs of the bluffs. Uh, doesn't get a chance to tree actually tree a lion in the tree. It's more in the bluff. But he said in those bluffs, he said you've got to have dogs in that pack that are locator dogs. Mm -hmm. That are tree dogs and track dogs. Mm -hmm. And he said, get that combination. Mm -hmm. He said, then you really got you something. Yeah. Um, yeah, I fully agree with that. Yeah. yeah, that's why I don't have, uh, like, we're, we're doing some serious hunting. This dog goes with us. And even though he's probably not going to be the first one at the tree, but these faster dogs get out there and make lose and, and uh, everything's lost. They, they'll, they could come back to him, and he's still motoring up the track. <laughs> he's not going to lose it. You know, I, I I wonder sometimes if the younger guys who are just getting started, I wonder if they don't have such a problem because they really don't understand or know that they, this dog is a locator or a track dog or a tree dog, and they, and they just turn everything loose and hope for the best. What I've seen. Uh, these guys, some of these guys getting started, they seem to think they got to have all these lightning fast dogs and, and kind of want them all the same. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I mean, I don't think there's any way around it. Some one of your dogs is going to be a better locator, one of your dogs is going to be faster. And, and uh, so you got three or four dogs out there and you've got the whole thing put together, you're sitting pretty strong. Yeah. I think another big mistake, and this is, this is something that, we have, that I haven't talked about on, on the interview. I think one of the biggest mistakes that somebody just starting out can make is to take everybody's hand-me-down dogs. Um, yeah, they, they'll, they, they'll, they'll, they'll get 10 or 12 dogs real quick. Yeah. And of course, everybody says, well, those are good dogs. Yeah. Well, you know, 
here they got them and they don't have anything. And as long as they hunt them, they're still not going to get back. Well, that's a pretty tough way to go. And then pretty soon they wise up and then they'll go get them a good started dog, a striped dog. Yeah, but I, that was the one thing I probably didn't, I could have said back when you said, what would it take for a guy to get started in the business? Well, if you're serious, you better go find somebody. And that won't be easy either, but you better find somebody with two good finished dogs and it's going to cost you, I'll bet it's going to cost you twenty-five to $3,500. And you better buy two of those dogs at least and start from that and start bringing up your own. But if you don't start with that, you'll never get there. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I talked to a guy that's a lion hunter over in, uh, near Grants, New Mexico. And he said that he struggled and struggled and struggled and yeah. just couldn't get the job done. And so he went and bought a, a started strike dog. He said it made all the difference in the world. Big, big difference. You know, I think another thing that a, that a guy can do is, if he can, is to go hunt, was help somebody who is a, a, a known line if you can go there, oh, yeah. the learning oh, yeah. curve is really short to hold oh, up. You bet it is. Because I, I can guarantee you, uh, yeah, you, you might be able to teach yourself, but it's going to take you about four times as long unless you can get with one of these professionals and, and go with them. That's exactly right. Because they'll sure teach you the tricks and help you out a bunch. I've spent a lot of time with Dean Robinson. He's a uh, he's, uh, old. Well, he's not that old. He's probably my age or a little older, but he's been a government uh, trapper and houndsman and done this all his life. And he's always been on the running the dry ground, strike hounds. You don't get that? Yeah. Let me turn this off. Do you, uh, do you use the old time calling horn to call your dogs? Or? No. What do you use? I uh, I just kind of got a, a screech of my own that's uh, kind of a high pitch yell. It carries pretty good, and they come right into it. You work with one little pup, right? Yeah, uh -huh. I can just I can get them all in pretty good that way. It doesn't reach out there like the horn and all that, but I, I have pretty good luck with it. My dad, that's the other thing too, is the way I hunt. My uh, dogs all trail back just pretty good. For the most part, I mean, it's not 100%, but for the most part, within 24 hours or unless something out of the ordinary happens, they will be back to where we left the truck, where I unloaded the mules. They'll be waiting for me there. And it's just not a hundred percent, but it's close. You ever have to leave them out and come back and get them later? Oh yeah, oh yeah, all the time. We we, I hate it, but yeah, they get up on top of some of these mountains, like this Black Mountain up here north of us. Had a dog up on top. Of it. It's just a giant rock pile bluff. Had a dog up there, and it was storming, and she was up there for five, six days. Do you ever leave anything for them whenever you leave them out? I I usually leave a uh, 
a blanket or even some, uh, if it's really cold or something, try leaving some dog food there. Yeah. When I did, when I was doing it, I had an old, old ragged Levi coat, coat yeah, that works good. and I would, uh, I would wear that yeah, works. going out to, to hunting or something like that and always left it in the truck. I always had a, a one pound can of coffee can with a lid on it. I always kept the food in the truck. And whenever I had to leave a dog out or the dogs, I would go off 30, 40 feet from where I turned them out, try to hide them, try to put that into a location where somebody just driving yeah. through wouldn't see them. Oh, yeah. And just lay that coat out there and put that dog food, and they'll, they'll be laying right there when you come kill. That's a, that's a neat little trick. Yeah, and I, you know, speaking for myself personally, that's uh, that's all in part of the love for the what we do and the love for the dog. And uh, I, I think I see a little more in the in these hounds and my mules and what we do than the average. But I've seen, I've had actually, accidentally had a those dogs wait for me at those spots for a couple of days, knowing that I'm coming back to get them. Yeah. I, I can't explain it to you in words, but what that does for you, to you is. Yeah, I agree with you. They know you're coming to get them. Yeah. I'm glad we brought that up because I, I forgot about bringing that up with any other guy. All my older dogs, they, they know they'll hold and wait. I'll be there. The younger ones, they might not wait quite as long. They'll still be there, but they might start wandering. I don't get there quick. But I usually am able to, unless for some reason, you know, yeah. things happen. But I'm usually checking there by daylight the next morning. Sure. Oh, yeah. Hoping they're there. Yeah. We got all the tracking gear. We don't leave. I don't leave dogs out very long unless it's just no way to get them. Yeah. Absolutely. No way, we're going to get them on. Yeah. And that's the only right way to do it, too. Yeah, and I think that's what puts that trust in them. And, you know, we're going to get out of there. Well, is there anything else uh, you want to say? Or? No, I appreciate the uh, time to talk to you. No, I appreciate you doing it. Glad you came by. <laughs> you know what I think, whether it's uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's go out there and video these little puppies that you got. Yes. And, and all right. And turn it off. Now here's a little camera pup. How old is this one, Jim? About eight, nine, ten weeks old. About ten weeks. <laughs> if I could put him in the car without getting shot, I'd have him home with me. <laughs> This is mom and dad here, isn't it? Yep, this is mom and dad. These are both Cameron Blues. Both come right straight from Dale's yard. We're really, uh... Really good looking dog. We really feel privileged to have these guys, too. Thanks to Dale and his, uh, patience with us and... There we go. Oh, he's not much for posing, is he? <laughs>
Well, we know it's not going to last forever, but every one of these Cameron hounds that we've uh, we've started, and I think we've got seven of them now. That counts these little ones. Now they're still a little bit iffy, but but uh, they've all they're all successful. We haven't had a dud in the bunch. We haven't had one that uh, haven't had one we don't like. Well, this sure nice looking. I really. I'm partial to the darker blue. Yeah, so am I. I really like them. Yeah, we like the we like the dark blue. In fact, when I when I pick mine out of the litter, that's what I go for. Yeah. Go for the dark ones, and and not not everybody does. Some of them rather go with the lighter ones, but they're all pretty dark though, as a rule. 